So the pastor, standing on the platform, wanting to get a message across to the congregation and wanting them to know that he was their servant, that he loved them, he said, I have a servant's heart. And I want you to know, as a congregation, if you have trouble with anything, anything, do not hesitate to call me. So that night, about 2 o'clock in the morning, his phone rings. On the other end of the line was this elderly lady that was one of his congregants. She said, Pastor, I'm having trouble sleeping. I can't sleep. I've tried everything. I just can't get to sleep. And the pastor said, well, I'm so sorry to hear about that, but what can I do about it? And very sweetly, she said, Pastor, could you preach for a while? <laughs> so I hope this morning I don't preach you to sleep. <laughs> On the other hand, part of what I'm doing today and part of the presentation of the message took me back to a phrase that was very popular in the 60s and rolled over into the 70s. At that particular time, the personal growth movement was happening and the sensitivity training was happening and there was this move that it all centered on honesty and it all centered on being truthful in your response and not backing down, and the phrase out of that became, tell it like it is. Tell it like it is. So this morning, out of John chapter 11, which is in and of itself a chapter that would take an entire book to really write about. So we're only looking at kind of a thumbnail of John chapter 11, but in some of those things, I have to tell it like it is. And it's not my words, it's not my opinion, it's the Scripture. So we understand as people that we live in a fallen and broken world. We know that life is not permanent. And we understand that death is unavoidable and inevitable. But this morning, as we talk about the story of Lazarus, and, and most of us, if we've been in Sunday school, we hear the story of Lazarus, and all we remember is Lazarus died, Jesus came, brought him out of the tomb, and lived happily ever after. But there are several sub-points that I think that we need to hear this morning. And what I'm doing is there's a correlation, because as I'm putting my notes together, God very not audible or not like lightning and thunder, but he very, he very clearly said, my people need to understand that not only is there a physical death, but there is a spiritual death. Paul, the apostle Paul, in Romans 3.23 said, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And in chapter 6, verse 23 he goes on to say, and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. He went on in Ephesians, in chapter 2, he begins to talk about it, and he says, you who were dead in your sins and trespasses. And then a couple of verses later, he says, and we, all of us. 
So to put you at ease this morning, I want you to understand that all of us in this room, at some point in time, were dead in our trespasses and our sins. And then he says, but God, by his rich mercy, by his grace, gave us life and seated us together with Christ in heavenly places. So my tell it like it is this morning begins with saying this. If you are here today and you have never accepted Christ as your Savior and you've never repented of your sin, you are living in a spiritual death. But the good news is Jesus Christ is the resurrector of not only the physical death, but the spiritual death. And at the end of the message, we're going to give you an opportunity. And as you listen to what I'm saying and hearing the word presented this morning, at the end of the message, we're going to give you an opportunity as our elders will come and pastors come to pray with you that if you're here and you understand that this is a spiritual vacuum that you are in, but you want to change it, we're going to invite you to come to the front this morning. And these people are going to pray with you that you are transformed from that spiritual death to spiritual life. Now, when we get to the story of Lazarus and we talk about death, and I, I wondered how to couch this in a message because the minute you say death, everyone kind of turns it off or they get a little antsy or they get a little um, uh, fearful when you talk about death. Woody Allen, some of you remember him from years past, Woody Allen said this. He said, I'm not afraid to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> but with the background that I have and the many funerals and the many families and, and, and all of the things that I've experienced, I've learned to do this. I've learned to look at death through the eyes of Christ. And I've learned to understand Scripture that says, death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? But that doesn't only apply to the physical. It also applies to the spiritual. So here's the story. Here, here's the intro to where we're going today. Jesus was a few miles from Bethany where he had spent a lot of time with his friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And that's where he could go and kind of unwind and be himself and get away from the crowds, and they spent considerable time together. And while he was ministering a few days from Bethany, a message came to him from the sisters, and it said, Master, our brother is sick. Lazarus is sick. Now, one of the things that we don't read into that, but we understand because Jesus was God-man, Jesus already knew that. But he didn't say, ah, I, that's old news, I know that. They said, our brother is sick. And then they went on and talked about and shared in the message, and they said, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, we read over that, but we don't take time to stop and think. They didn't say, Lord, the one who loves you. They said, Lord, the one you love is sick. And the application of that is this. It's not our imperfect love for Christ, but it's his perfect love for us that brings us comfort. 
See, as, as human nature and as, as fickle sometimes as we are, we fall in and out of love all the time with people, with things. Oh, she's my best friend. I just love her so much until she crosses me and says something bad about me, and now I've fallen out of love with her. I just purchased the latest gadget, and it's got all the bells and whistles, and look, oh, no, I just love this. Until a couple months later, something else new comes out, and it's now, I don't love this so much. Set it aside. Let's get some. Now I love this. Number six or number seven or number eight. And so it's characteristic of us to fall in and out of love on a whim. But I'm here to say to you today that there is nothing that you and I can do that will make God love us any more or any less than he does right now. That's the love of God. So it was appropriate for the message to read, Jesus, the one you love is sick. Now, he took that into consideration, and he understood what was going on. And so he says to the disciples, our friend Lazarus is sick. And the disciples says, well, that's a good thing, isn't it? He's, he's, he's sick, and Jesus said, but he's asleep. And well, okay, you know when you're sick, you sleep and you get rest in your body. And then Jesus had to tell it like it is. And you read in chapter 11, he says, Lazarus is dead. He tried to be subtle. He, he, he tried to give them the benefit of the doubt, but, but they thought that he was just asleep and he was going to be better in the morning. And Jesus said, Lazarus is dead. So Jesus, after two days, went back to Bethany. Martha heard that he was coming, and so she runs out to the edge of the city, and she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And that's a point that I want, and hopefully we can get it on the screen. That's a point that I want to share with you today. Delays should not discourage us. How many times have we prayed, and it didn't happen when we wanted it to, and a little more time elapsed than we wanted to, and so we just took it that God was not caring and God was not interested in us and God was not going to answer our prayer because after all, I prayed and it's been 24 hours. But I've learned that delays should never discourage us because God is omnipotent and he has a timetable. He has a timeline. So my challenge to you today is if you've been praying about something, and it's been heavy on your heart, and you prayed, and you said, but Pastor Don, I prayed for a month. I prayed for six months. I prayed, and I wasn't going to share this, but I think I've got time to get this in for us today. We had a lady in our church in Jamestown who had prayed for her son. At that time, he was in his early 20s, and she had prayed fervently for, her, for his salvation and prayed and prayed and prayed, and one day God said, are you willing to give up something that you love the most to see your son come to Christ? And she said, yes, God, I'm willing to do that. What is it? And she thought for a moment, and she said, ice cream. I love ice cream. And so she gave up ice cream. Now, we were, happened to be pastoring the church at that time, 
And for part of that time, we were living with her in transition from our houses. And she was into her early 90s. And she prayed and she prayed and she went without ice cream. Are you ready for this? 50 years. How many of you have really been praying for 50 years for God to do something in your life? And I remember when we came back to her home on an evening, she said, I got a call from my son. And he said, Mom, I thought you just might want to know I've got my heart right with God, and I've accepted Jesus. So my first question was, now you can eat ice cream. And she goes, no, you know, I don't really have any desire for ice cream. But that has always stuck with me because it has been a foundation of faith for someone to give up something that they love more than anything else and to pray for 50 years for their son to come to Christ. You see, delays are not denials. And delays should never discourage us. But here was Mary and Martha. In fact, they came and when they made this declaration, Master, if you'd been here, our brother would not have died. Well, here's another point that I, I got from this message today. Divine love does not always shield us from sorrow or suffering or even death. And I've heard this, and I, the question has been presented to me, Pastor Don, if God is such a God of love, why does he allow this? Why is he causing this? If he loves me so much, why do we see, why do we have to have Royal Family Kids Camp? Why does there have to be children who are neglected and abused? Why do we have to go into third world countries and minister to children? If God is such a God of love, how can he let this happen? But you need to take comfort in that real reality that divine love does not always shield us from sorrow or suffering or even death. So here Jesus is talking with these sisters. And when he got the word that Lazarus was sick, Jesus said this, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. And I think it's something that we need to give attention to today. Because here's the point. God's glory supersedes the gratification of present feelings. See, we want God to do something because we want to feel better. We want to get back to our activities. We want to get back to the lifestyle we had before sickness came. But we understand, and even in John, when Jesus said, ask what you will of me and it will be done for you, that God may be glorified. And so when we are praying and when we are asking God, we must remember that God's glory supersedes the gratification of present feelings. And I've got to tell you, I'm no different than anyone else. I've prayed, didn't feel a bit better. I prayed, and everything was status quo. I prayed, and nothing changed. 
but I've stood on the promises, much like the song that we sang today. God, you've done it before, and you'll do it again. And, and with my personal life in my body, I've received God's healing at different times, and I prayed, and I knew that he would do it again. But I understood that God's glory superseded the satisfaction of my present feelings. So God doesn't answer our prayers just to make us feel better. God doesn't answer our prayers just to get us back out on the golf course or get us back out in whatever we were doing or get us back out having all of these fun times. He does it for his glory and that he may get glory from that. And when he answers that prayer, it's our responsibility to tell others, look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me just in time. I'm going to praise him. We used to sing that around here several years ago, but it says, look what the Lord has done. That's the glory of God that he's looking for. So Lazarus was sick. So Jesus goes back to Bethany, and now it had been four days. And now he is dead. And now he is stinking. The Jewish followers that had come to Mary and Martha's home to comfort her had this concept that the soul would leave the body but hover over the body for about three days. And then the soul would depart because after three days, the body would begin to corrupt. So here they are with Mary and Martha and Lazarus had been dead for four days. So Jesus said, take me where you've laid him. Now again, he's God-man. He knew where they laid him. He knew when he was sick. He knew that he was dead. He knew where he was buried. But he's trying to get this interaction with the people and the friends. And he said, take me where you've laid him. And so they go walking to this cave that has a stone in front of it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Now again, he could have done that. All he would have had to have done was spoken a word, and that stone would have rolled away. But he wanted people to be involved in what he was doing. And much like where we are today, Jesus wants to be a part of our life. And he wants to be our comforter and our friend. And he wants to help us. But we have to do our part. We have to get some skin in the game. There's a responsibility for us. And so Jesus comes to the grave. And he says, take the stone away. And then, in this authoritative voice, Jesus began to pray. And Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. So he prayed this prayer. And then he said these three words, Lazarus, come forth. 
And he's saying these words to you and I today. If we are here, not in a physical death capacity, but if we are here today in this spiritual death capacity that we've never accepted Christ, we are a sinner that needs a Savior, he's saying to you today, come forth. Come forth. I will take you out of that sin death, and I will give you eternal life. So when we come to this, and he's making this declaration to the Father, and praying to the Father, there's something, something else that I want to point out. Our prayers are not to inform God. He wants to know the expression of our feelings, not the instructions of our wisdom. And I thought about it. I've, I've had a chance to think about these things. And I've thought, Don, how many times have you prayed to inform God about your situation that he already knows? And, and, and such a gracious and kind and, and patient God. And, and some of us have done this. I, I know I'm not alone. You, you prayed and you've given God this whole informational blog of why you need help. And God, you got, and we have the audacity, we don't think about it, but we have the audacity to say, God, you don't understand. <laughs> the God who is a God that knows all. And we say, but God, you don't understand. You, you don't know the trouble I'm in. Sure he does. Because he has either allowed it or he has caused it. Because the scripture says nothing can come against us except God gives permission. So whatever trouble that we're in, whatever difficulty that we're finding ourselves in, it's God has either allowed it or he has caused it. And then we're praying, God, you don't understand the trouble I'm in. You don't know how hurtful that was to me. You don't know how I'm feeling. And what God is saying through this point is, our prayers are not to inform him. Our prayers are to express our feelings. So what would that be like? For me, when I have prayed those prayers of my feelings, I prayed, just started out, God, you are the maker of heaven and earth. You are the creator. You are my savior. You are my Lord. You are my healer. You are my provider. You are my peace. God, you are the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star, the rose of Sharon, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. God, you know all things, everything from the end to the beginning. And God, I know that you are big and powerful and you can resurrect and you can heal. And I just, that prayer begins to just well up within me. But we catch ourselves wanting to inform God of where we are. And he knows exactly where we are. And Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. No matter what it may be, physical death, spiritual death, discouragement, depression, disappointment, heartache, Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Now, can I take it one step further? Sure I can. 
There are those in this building today, you say, well, Pastor, how do you know this? I know because it's called a witness of the Holy Spirit. It showed me as I was putting this outline together, there are those in this room this morning that you, you have come to Christ in your past. You've confessed your sin. You may even have come to this altar and said, Dear Jesus, I come to you as a sinner, and I confess my sin, and I ask you to forgive me of my sin, and I repent. And, and, and you became that follower of Jesus but something has happened between then and now. And that life that was so abundant and that life that was so exciting and that experience that you had that you just couldn't wait to tell somebody that you've accepted Jesus into your heart and your life, that something has happened that that has went by the wayside. And now what used to be Life is now dwindling down. The passion isn't there. The spring in your step is not there. The zeal is not there. The desire is not there. And you have taken religion and just basically let it become an activity. And so I can come in on Sunday morning and I can listen to the worship and I hear Pastor Nicole, and she stands, and she gives me hope, and she gives, sees, shows me the grace of God, and, and on and on and on. And then I get back in my car, and I go home. Nothing's changed. I believe for you, Jesus is saying today, come forth. Because he wants to resurrect. And I can tell you, I know it's been a long time. I accepted Jesus when I was 12 years old. I repented of all of my sin at 12 year, years of age, and I had no clue what my sin was. The only thing, and you may have heard me say this before, was at 10 years of age, I stole a candy bar at 10. And when I'm kneeling in front of the church, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin, the only thing that came to my mind was that candy bar, which I already had to suffer through because my mother found out about it took me back to the store. I had to apologize to the store owner, pay him for the candy, and I didn't get to eat it. So I already had to pay a debt, but I'm, I'm praying at 12 years of age. And little did I know between 12 and 71, there's a whole lot of forgiveness that's going to be needed. There's a whole lot of pick-me-up that's going to be needed. There's a whole lot of grace that I'm going to have to receive. There's a whole lot of mercy that I have to take part in. But I'm thankful today. And even though we have changes in our life, we have changes in, in whatever way that you want to account, I can tell you today my love for God. And, and when I have that opportunity to preach his word, it still is just as exciting as it was 40-some years ago when I knelt for my ordination and the presbyter laid hands on me and gave me the command, preach the word. It's still just as exciting. It hasn't diminished. It hasn't turned into a, a Bible story. 
It hasn't turned into, to, I'm just going to get up here and say a few words, and, and I'm going to find, find a book that I like, and I'm going to read out of this book. It, it's still, even for me, and I'm only speaking for me today, but when I understand of the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what God can do, and Jesus is the resurrection of the life, it still gets me excited. I just don't jump as high. <laughs> I can't jump. Not only white men can't jump, old white men can't really jump. But inside, inside, there's something begins to stir because I know that the power of God is still real. And I know that God still wants to save. And I know that he still wants to set free. So this morning I'm asking you, when we look at what Jesus did for Lazarus, and he said, Lazarus, come out. And of course, you may have heard this. If Jesus had not used specifically the name Lazarus, the whole tombs would have emptied all over the country. But he said, Lazarus, come out. And here's something else that I want to bring down to this conclusion. Lazarus came out of the tomb. And Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Not only should delays not discourage us, but we need to walk out of this building today with this next statement. Death cannot defeat us. Death cannot defeat us. And so here came Lazarus, and, and as a kid, I had this picture, because my Sunday school teacher never told me any different, but I had this picture of a mummy. I mean, just wrapped in linen from head to toe and foot, and, and, and the guy couldn't even walk. He couldn't move. And as I got older and as I researched and I read some more, I realized he wasn't wrapped as a mummy, but he had linen cloth around his arm and around this arm, and he had it around his legs and his body. But he was still able to move, but not really to the best of his ability. He was raised from the dead, but he still had on the grave clothes. And Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Here's the thing with Lazarus. Lazarus had life, but he needed liberty. Lazarus had life, but he needed liberty. And that's where some of us are at today. We have life. Our eternal life is not in question. Our time in heaven is not in question but there's something that's still holding us back. There's something that still has us bound. There's something that is still preventing us from being who God wants us to be. And the list is, in, is inexhaustible. But I'm only mentioning just a few things this morning. What has you bound up? Sin, have to die out to it. Self, die out to self. How about habits? Say, Pastor Don, I know I'm saved. I know Jesus loves me. I know God forgave me, but I just can't, just can't, just can't. Habits. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up here this morning because we're getting ready to sing a song. It's called Miracles. 
And I believe in miracles. And I believe that today we can experience a miracle. Because what you don't understand is when Jesus Christ died upon Calvary and he rose on the third day for the, for the forgiveness of our sins, that was a miracle. And he's still just as real today as he was yesterday. But what has us bound up? Could it be people? So, you know, I could really serve Jesus, but I've got this one person in my life. I... I could really be effective in the kingdom of God, but I've got these people over here. They're just negative, 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 negative all of the time. Just really keeps me down. So it could be people. What about your job? Say, so, you know, I really would like to do more for Jesus. I'd really like to have that spring in my step and that joy in my heart and that, that whistle. But I got this job that I get up and go to. Every morning. And it really has me down. I think one of the greatest blessings in my life, oftentimes I don't put my wife at number two, but today I will. The greatest blessing that I have is my salvation with Jesus. The second greatest blessing has been my wife and my children and my grandchildren. The third greatest blessing that I've ever experienced is that somehow, some way, irregardless of inconsistencies and human failures, God has seen fit to call me into ministry to preach his word. Those are all blessings. So I can't say that I get up in the morning and I've got this job to go to. I've got this joy that's a part of my life in what God has called me to do. But I'm asking you this morning, what has you bound up? What has you bound up? I'm going to ask, I emailed them this week. So if you're here as an elder, wife in that capacity, Pastor Nicole, I'd like for you as well. Would you come and just stand right here across the front? And don't, don't all bunch up, just kind of spread out. Because I, I want to, I want to, show something here kind of in a visual demonstration if your elder and your wife is with you today I want you to just come and spread out here you see these people who are standing in front of you were those people Paul was talking about in Ephesians chapter 2 when he said we were born in our sins and we were dead in our transgressions. But these folks, in a time of their life, came to Jesus, repented, accepted his forgiveness. And so they're standing here. I'm standing here. The worship team is standing here. We're not perfect by any means. But we found that hinge point in our life when we said enough is enough. And we want to make a decision to follow Jesus. So if you're here this morning and you've never made that decision, I'm inviting you today to come and to let these folk pray for you. If you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Don, I can identify, I got some things that's binding me up. I got some things that's holding me back. And you don't even have to be specific. 
but you can just come and these folk will pray with you today. That whatever that is, and, and, and I don't know how they want to pray, but I can say to them this morning, when folk come up to you, you simply, whether it's he or she, just say, Father, in the name of Jesus, loose him and let him go. Father, in the name of Jesus, loose her and let him go, let her go. You see, Christ's miracle of grace is as remarkable as his miracle of power. The miracle of his grace to forgive us of our sin and bring us out of that spiritual death is just as remarkable as Jesus saying, Lazarus, come forth, and physically, he was raised from the dead. So I'm gonna ask you to stand this morning with me and sing with us as the worship team leads us in this song. And let's just believe God for a miracle today. And, and don't hesitate. We're family here. We're family here. But you would like for prayer this morning, I'm inviting you to come. And we're going to ask these folk to pray with you today.
Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he asked Martha, and I'm asking you this question this morning. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Because he is a God of miracles. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you that it rings true in our hearts and in our lives. And Father, we know that it sometimes is challenging to hear your word. And we understand the work of the Holy Spirit is to bring conviction to our hearts but also to bring comfort and to bring truth. So, Father, we thank you this morning that we celebrate the I Am when Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Father, I pray for all in this room today that we all will experience that life. No matter what has us bound, no matter what has us slowed down, Father, you set us free from that today that we can become who you want us to be. So, Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit seals these words in our hearts and in our minds, and we thank you. We thank you, Father, for being with us today. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your love, your unconditional love. We thank you for that. And it's Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, and have a great day in the Lord.